When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass, Manchester United Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Hayder Barabani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett, as always. Rob, Manchester United have won a game, and they look solid as well. Manchester United are through to the knockout stages. Today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Sancho and Donny van der Beek as well, because they played and they started yesterday. Sancho finally getting his first goal. And then we'll also talk about Ernesto Valverde. That is the main topic of this uh, podcast today, because he has been linked very heavily, Rob, to the Manchester United role as the interim manager. Before we do that, though, guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Hader underscore Robani, and give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Rob, my United through, clean sheet, Sancho goal, Ronaldo scores again. Happy days and a good performance. A very good performance. You know, I've seen United fans kind of be a little bit up and down on their assessments of what happened. Obviously, United won the game 2-0. Uh, but kind of people saying, oh, well, it wasn't very good for 70 minutes. I think expectations need to be tapered a little bit. You've just lost your manager. You've got an interim in there, guys already at the football club in Michael Carrick. And you've got to find a way. Manchester United have just qualified with 10 points. They've won the group. They'll go through as group winners. That's a, a huge uptick. And you found that they played some good tactical football and that's what we're going to talk about today we talk about the system and talk about how United looked we look at the plus points for going forward but more than that I think it was a case that they went out there with some maturity and they found a way against a very very good Villarreal team yeah absolutely Rob we're going to get the uh who scored graphic up here on the on the screen so if you're listening to this on Spotify we have got Manchester United's uh, formation and the you know the, the ratings that they've been given so, Rob, we're very key here. Main night went 4-2-3-1, so nothing different in terms of the system, but 
United played it much better than under Carrick than they have done Ole Gunnar Solskjaer all season. And we will talk about that. Uh, but we had De Gea in goal. Tellez, Maguire, Lidloff and Wan-Bissaka made up the defence. McFred in midfield. A lot of people thought they would never see McFred again. Yes, they did. <laughs> they played. And uh, then you had Martial, Van der Beek and Sancho behind Cristiano Ronaldo. So interesting there, Rob. Oli did rest. Oh, sorry, not Oli. Carrick did rest uh, Bruno Fernandes, it seemed, or dropped him. We we don't really know. Donny van der Beek had his start. Jane Sancho got his start as well and got his goal deservedly. What I liked from May United yesterday, Rob, was how they were much more organised off the ball. That was a key for me. I thought on the ball first half, we were pretty atrocious. I thought that we improved in the second half when the substitutes came on as well. We looked better. But off the ball, May United, one, compensated for Ronaldo's lack of pressing, let's say. They went to a 4-4-2 shape as well, out of possession. They were just more compact, more organised. And that's what you want to see, don't we, Rob? And the question has to be asked that. Carrick's come in and done that. Why weren't we seeing that under Oli? Was that Oli's philosophy? Because Carrick and McKenna were the ones that were coaching the side. It's a very intriguing question that should uh, should be asked, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should be asked. And just kind of to debate the shape here, like it says 4-2-3-1. United didn't play 4-2-3-1 yesterday. They played 4-4-2 when they were matching up against Villarreal's 4-4-2. And that was kind of out of possession. But in possession, they played 4-3-3. That was kind of the, the way the shape went. That was the shape of the game. It wasn't really your classic double pivot. So when we talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's 4-2-3-1, we know what it does, don't we? It kind of sings its own tune and you hear it. So McFred do certain things. But we saw yesterday that Fred himself was on the left-hand side of the pitch, something he doesn't really do, kind of doesn't switch on that side. And that was to keep a shape because Villarreal were playing 4-4-2. So I think first, that was the first bit of Michael Carrick's tactics that we saw that he did that match-up but then he allowed Jaden Sancho to go up the pitch and Martial to go up the pitch. And then Van der Beek was allowed to kind of check in and in and out a bit more. You also said about Bruno there at the head at the head of the show. Uh, I think he was dropped. 100% dropped. Not rested. Dropped. Because he's not played well. And the time has come, I think, that all of those times that Ole kept faith in him basically ended up with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being sacked. So for this shape today, I think we saw with Michael Carrick is that his own tactical outlay or how he wants to play the game was a little bit more expansive. And as you alluded to, they were much better out when they didn't have the ball. The shape was there at least. And that is what's killed United for weeks. When when they haven't got the ball, looking disorganised, big motorways worth of space in between channels from back to front, almost like 70 yards up the pitch that you can exploit. And United yesterday looked like they had a good shape. It looked coached. It looked like that Carrick had got into his players, the ideas that he wanted to get across. And what happened? United took it up to 70 minutes. Bang, bang, two goals. You win the game. That's how you play Champions League football. You'd have to be great for 100 minutes. You know, you'd have to go all the way through into extra time and all of that. You just need to do it in the right spells. And then at the end of the game, make sure you win. Oh, absolutely. Look, Sir Alex Ferguson used to do the same thing, Rob. Man United just needed to win their away games. Just win the game. That's it. Be solid. Doesn't have to be expansive. Doesn't have to be the most attacking football. And that's what United haven't been doing. They haven't been solid. They haven't been winning the games. They haven't been grinding games out. I do want to talk about Donny van der Beek, Rob, because something I said to you off air was that what I notice when Bruno Fernandes is in the side, Bruno Fernandes is a fantastic, wonderful player, hasn't showed any of that standard that he has done over the past few year, 
year or two uh, since he's joined the club. But Bruno does have the tendency to rush out, doesn't he, when he's pressing? He does. He almost goes like a madman, a headless chicken. And I don't know whether that was one of Oli's instructions or was that Bruno just been given license to do what he wants. Donovan van der Beek was much more measured in that respect, wasn't he? But another thing as well is that he was looking for, Donny was looking for the more simpler pass. We see with Bruno at times, he does go for the pass that's a little bit more difficult. And that helped Manchester United. And we, a lot of people have said this when we signed Jane Sancho, that Donny van der Beek will probably be the player that benefits the most from Jane Sancho joining. And we saw that Donny looked very, very comfortable with a player of similar IQ, similar wavelength. They did play quite a few one-twos. There was nice combinations there. Jane Sancho looks, looked good with Donny van der Beek as well. That's something to build off, isn't it, for the next manager? Yeah, it is. And I think it showed that whatever tactics have been chosen this year in a kind of 15 to 20 games across all competitions, that maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just got stuck in his ways a little bit. You know, he likes to pick certain formations. Within that, he has players he trusts. And I think he went with that. And, of course, the the overall consensus was that he had to find a way to trigger Ronaldo to get Ronaldo at the top end of the pitch and make everything work around him. And in the 4-2-3-1, it hasn't done that. The other player that, of course, is part of that is Bruno Fernandes. And, and I will say this, I think Bruno lacks discipline. I think Bruno kind of does what Bruno wants. He does the role, but he does a lot of charging around. He doesn't look after territory. He doesn't really, he doesn't really mesh well with some of the players that are immediately around him. Some of his short play is quite messy for a play that you'd expect to call world class. But as we've got up here now, this is the kind of average positions for people again that only uh, that are listening on Spotify, but for the guys obviously watching here on YouTube and from Twitter, you can see that in the average positions, really interesting because it's kind of two halves of the team. You've got overloads on the left and overloads on the right. Now, that's coached. That's a tactic. That's something that you go into training with and you say, right, so in those moments we want to keep the ball and we've got territory, we want to make sure that these passes are not difficult. So I don't want to pay 20, 30, 40, 50 yard balls to each other. You know, you can do that if you're peak Barcelona from uh, 10, 15 years ago. But it's not now. That's not the way to do it. You want to make sure that you're tight. You want to have a more tiki-taka approach. So you look at here with the shape, and it's really interesting. It's not about keeping the width. It's more about keeping the zone. And you can see on the right-hand side here, so on the right zone, right at the top, Jaden Sancho. On the left zone, at the top, Cristiano Ronaldo. And then everyone else fitting within that. So that is a pat on the back to Michael Carrick to get his players to do that, because I think that worked really well. First half, as you said, not particularly inspiring, but second half, good control. And with 20 minutes to go, there was only one team going to win it. There was only one team that was really getting their passing off, looking dangerous. And the second United goal, where obviously Jadon Sancho scored, I think that was probably United's best goal of the season. Passing from back to front, through midfield, to the left, across the box, little touch from Bruno, one touch from Jadon, bang, top corner. That's the kind of football that Liverpool play and Man City play. We need to see more of that from Manchester United. Uh, I completely agree. I do want to talk, though, Rob, about... Because I don't think we were great in possession yesterday. I did say that the first half. I didn't think that we were great. But I do want to talk about this in a bit more depth because we've brought up Manchester United's average position map over the, the last month. And it's just been atrocious. It's been, there's just been no organisation. It's either been too bunched. We've seen that, you know... 
players occupying the same positions. I actually saw Ronaldo was pressing yesterday, Rob. Genuinely, he was chasing the ball, telling players to come up like this, you know, waving his arms forward. He was <laughs> yeah. doing it in that first half, Rob. He was doing it. And he was in the first half. He yeah. was. He was going like this to Martial. Get up, get up. I wasn't impressed with Martial yesterday, actually, Rob. And I thought he deserved a start. He had a good little cameo against Watford. I wasn't impressed with him on, on the ball or off the ball. But... Um, Let's sort of break down, though, why the players weren't doing that. For me, it just doesn't make sense. Carrick and McKenna are the ones that are coaching the side. So why is it that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has gone now that we've seen probably our best performance without possession off the ball this season? Because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, as, as an individual, will have his own ideas about what he wants his team to do and what makes a winning side. So the coaches go and do the work that Ole tells them to do. If you get that right. So Ole directs that, you know, so he'll give Carrick the the chance to prepare the team, McKenna the chance to prepare the team, do what they do. But ultimately, Ole gets the final word. So I think what we saw yesterday, like you just said there, highlighted that he didn't think United were great in possession. Possession stats were brilliant yesterday. United kept the ball. They looked after the ball. Now, that's what I care about. I, I'm not really interested in the creativity when you go to Villarreal. What I'm interested in is how you look after zones of the pitch. So this is why we're talking about it in this way. You just highlighted um, Anthony Martial. When I look at this average position and see where he sat between those four players, I love it because that means you keep the ball in those areas. He's not actually trying to run the lines or do anything that gets him isolated. What you can see with this shape is that no one got isolated at all. They stayed. They looked after each other. And that is so important on a football pitch. So those bits that might not shine, like you said there, in terms of possession stats and all of that, that's not really a problem. What's more interesting is how they mesh as a, as a group of individuals and then together as a team. And and that, this shows, like you, you said there, we've seen some really, really awful average position maps from United where it looks lopsided, too tight, too far apart, all of that. This is almost perfection. And that's why United won 2-0. You know, United didn't, United didn't win. You don't have to go and carve teams open. You go and have to do the work first. And this shows that they did the work. And then you go and win. That's the next part of it. So you said that Ronaldo did a bit of pressing. What I think he did better was more his average position. So he was holding it together at the front end. Towards the end of the game, he'd kind of given that up. You could see he was just standing in the middle again and kind of waving at people and all of these things. But overall, possession stats were good. I think Ronaldo actually had the worst possession stats out of everyone. But that doesn't really matter to me. It's more about the team winning and the team won 2-0. Yeah, and you scored a fantastic goal. I do want to touch on uh, Jaden again, Rob, before we move on. And I talk. I want to talk about another player. I want to talk about Fred because Fred was very instrumental in both the goals. But Jaden Sancho played on that right hand side. He came onto the left hand side as well. You know, he was he was fantastic. He, you can tell that he's a player with immense talent. You can tell that he's very intelligent on the ball. Uh, you can tell that he's a player who also does need a little bit of confidence, Rob, and a bit more game time. And I think it's very interesting to see that Carrick straight away played him on that right hand side. Um, which is what we bought him to do. And this is the thing that boggles my mind a little bit. You spent 73 million, chased him for two years, and you don't play him on the right-hand side, and you need a right winger. Um, but I thought he was fantastic. And I think, you know, we could see him really explode in the next, uh, in the Christmas period, in the next few weeks. But Fred, Rob, Fred's a much maligned figure who has taken a lot of stick. He has clear deficiencies on the ball. But both goals came from Fred's fantastic pressing. And that's something that he does have in his locker that actually... Paul Pogba doesn't have, in my opinion. I think uh, McTominay does, to an extent, have that. Matic doesn't have that. Van der Beek, I don't think, has an aggressive presser. It's something that you need in your squad 
And it's something that a new manager, let's say Pochettino comes in, he will appreciate the fact that what Fred does off the ball. But the key here was actually his passing statistics. He 92% accuracy. He had a really good game yesterday and people have to, you know, people have to take the hats off to him. He's not the most talented player in the world, but he, he did fantastic yesterday and he was the reason why Manchester United did score those two goals. Yeah, that's right. And and I do think for him, like when we talk about pressure, I think we've got to be, we've got to kind of put the differential between what is pressing and what is just kind of doing your work and your job. And I think what Fred did yesterday, because United didn't really press, was he just did his job. You know, if you're on that side, you're asked to look after the left, go and look after it. So when the ball is there, go and play football. And that's what he did. You know, he was putting there what we've seen with United over various weeks, going all the way back to the first first game of the season, is that they've not done that. They've not looked after parts of the pitch in a way that is just normal football. So United didn't particularly play a low block yesterday, but they just kind of addressed that 4-4-2. That's kind of how Villarreal played. So they just went kind of position for position, but they didn't allow it to let them get stuck in the mud. It wasn't like, well, I'm the left side of midfield, so I'm just going to stand it. That's my job. What they did was they, they interacted with the ball better. And Fred, no more than, than anyone else. You know, he was there, uh, a vital part of the goals. Uh, and I think for him, he looked like he had more freedom yesterday. Freedom's going to play a bit more football. Under Ole, he's been the full guy in the double pivot. He's the guy who's had to track the runners. You know, he's the one who's had to go and plug the gap between, you know, centre-back and left-back and centre-back and right-back. And he's been tasked with that. There was less of that attrition yesterday and it was more about playing some actual football. And and it and it opened up beautifully, didn't it? You know, in the second half, as I said, with 20 minutes to go, it was only one team that felt like they were in control of their faculties. Villarreal had fallen away a little bit and then United took advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, I've got a couple of questions, actually very interesting questions, and then we will talk about Valverde, guys. So get your questions in, make sure you hit the like uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and if you, this, if you have seen this on Twitter, give it a retweet. We're going to really grow this masterclass family. Question here, Rob, from Darius. I'm worried that De Gea has become an enormous issue for United with his inability to contribute in the build-up. What do you think? That's a really good point. Look, I'm going to say this right now, Rob. David De Gea has been phenomenal with his, uh, you know, with his reflexes, with his saves this season, back to its best. But if Manchester United do want to become a side that will build out from the back, and let's say Pochettino comes in, he, we did this show last time, guys. By the way, make sure you do check that out. We did a Pochettino tactical review uh, a couple of days ago, so do check that out. Um, but uh, you know, that's something that he does lack, and it is a bit of a problem for Manchester United, and. I think you could see him getting replaced, both him and Henderson, maybe in the coming season or two. Maybe. Like I, I highlighted this, obviously, a couple of weeks ago and said, when we talk about changing the manager and changing stuff, that a new coach might come in and say, I need a sweeper keeper. You know, it might be the case. If you want to play out from the back, you need someone who's got really, really good feet. That's exactly why Man City and Liverpool made those changes at number one. They did that deliberately. Um, I don't think David Hay is going anywhere anywhere soon. He's got a contract. Um, I think it's a case of picking between him and Henderson. And if, if a coach comes in and decides that De Gea is the number one, it will almost definitely mean that that's the end of Dean Henderson at Manchester United because he's a bit more of a samey goalkeeper. You know, he, he stops shot. He's a bit old school. Um, he's good at what he does. But if you choose one, then the other has to go. And then you're better off going after a second goalkeeper that can do the sweeper function. That means that there will be times when you need better feet at the back. You just don't want the same thing, replacing like for like. So I, I agree with that uh, that point there, is that, 
that could absolutely happen. I think it's unlikely that both goalkeepers get sold, but I do think one will almost definitely go either in January, we know who that is, it's going to be Henderson, or or towards the end of the, uh, or next season when uh, a new manager is installed full-time. Another question here, Rob, and we're going to touch on it because uh, I did mention at the beginning, I didn't think Wan-Bissaka was partic- particularly good yesterday. Tellez as well didn't really offer much. You know, I mean, Luke Shaw hasn't had a great season, but he is still a cut above Tellez. Tellez doesn't give you that you know progressive ball carrying. I think he's got a great uh, delivery. We don't see that enough, but uh, problems at fullback, Rob, for Manchester United, and let's say, you know, when the new manager comes in, will that be an area that they have to address? I mean, I really like Ethan Laird. You've spoken about him before in previous podcasts but uh Jane Sancho will benefit more from and this was said before that where he had his best season was with Hakimi behind him obviously at PSG now and Manchester United did look uh, sorry Sancho did look better when he had that player behind him and it, it seems he's still trying to figure out with Wan-Bissaka and Wan-Bissaka is not doing enough of the the things that we want to see him going forward I think it's important at the moment that the whole individual arguments about positions need to stop because when a new manager comes in, he can then kind of assess stuff and we can do that then. It's it's a it's a question and answer session for later. So like just saying there, I think it's regressive to us to say who played well and who didn't play well. What's more important to me, and I said it just five minutes ago, when you look at the shape of the Man United team that we've got up here, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is part of that five on the right-hand side of the pitch. You've got Tellers on the left-hand side of the pitch. I'm not really interested in their individual performances. I'm interested in how the team plays together, the cohesion and the chemistry. So, of course, we could sit here and pick apart Wan-Bissaka's performances for two years, couldn't we? We have done. We've, we've had times when he's played well and when he hasn't played well. But I don't think that today that's the biggest problem at Manchester United. I really don't. I think that if a manager comes in and wants to play high-pressing uh, wing-backs, then Wan-Bissaka might, people might naturally say, oh, well, that's not his game. Then again... When we played 3-5-2 recently and he played on that right-hand side, he looked quite good, didn't he, in that system? So I think that this is a case of, you know, the jury is out on a lot of this stuff because you have to wait and see and what the tactics are going to be of the next coach. He looked at what Carrick tried to do yesterday. Two zones of five. It worked well. I think it really, really did. And that's why I'm saying it was a good performance where some people were saying, oh, it was average. It was a bit hit or miss. They weren't that good in the first half. To me, if you win 2-0 away from home in the Champions League and you get a clean sheet and you win your group, yeah, I'll take that every day of the week. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to move on to the main topic of the show. We're going to talk about Ernesto Valverde. Now, just my my view, Rob, on the manager's position, I think people need to relax a little bit in the sense of Pochettino's you know, coaching PSG tonight against Manchester City. There's not going to be any. There's not going to be any news regarding his position. So everyone needs to relax and wait till this game is over. Manchester United are very interested in Maurizio Pochettino. He's the number one target. Pochettino wants Manchester United. A lot of this does hinge, Rob, doesn't it, on Zidane whether he goes to PSG mid-season. But should he not? Manchester United have been looking at five options for the interim basis. And actually, I'm quite impressed with the list. I, I didn't even think about Valverde until we heard this. And he's the one we're talking about today. But they're looking at Lucien Favre. They're also looking at Fonseca, Rudy Garcia. And the last name is Ralph Ranić, who we are both massive fans of. But Rob, on the screen here, we have got his Barcelona 27-2018 team here. And as you can see, it's it's a more of a 4-4-2 diamond. But just before we do that, Rob, let's talk about his time at Bilbao. He did play a 4-2-3-1. They did press quite high up there. Looking at what Manchester United have currently and being comfortable playing 4-2-3-1, could you see Valverde, if he does come in as interim, he has been interviewed, could you see him come in and playing a 4-2-3-1 system? 
Yes, you know, he's played it before. There's no doubt that I think the if this is something that the boys already know, you know, four two three one's been hammered in them for two to three years, that if you make adjustments and you can play it a slightly different way, it's the same system, but with just different merits. So I think when you look at his uh, formation here from the 2017-2018 season for Barcelona, you know, this is a team that really didn't get many plaudits. You know, lots of people said, oh, well, it's a bit boring. It's not very Pep Guardiola. It's not very classical Dutch system that Barcelona like to play. Oh, but they're winning the league. Oh, they're, they're, no one can beat them. Oh, like I think the year that he got sacked uh, at Barcelona, he was top of the league. So this is a guy that's actually had a really, really good grounding in winning in football at the clubs he's been at. Um an intelligent guy, someone who is kind of known as a thinker, someone who is a problem solver. And I think that that reputation is one of the reasons why Manchester United are looking at him in the immediacy. Now, I don't think that he is a candidate for the long term. What you said there about Pochettino is very true. Pochettino wants to come. Manchester United want him. I don't think it's necessarily about Zidane completely. It's more about PSG saving face. They don't want to lose their coach to another club that they are aspiring to usurp in world football. Man United are certainly at the top in terms of commerciality. PSG would like to be there one day. It's not a good look, is it, if you've got Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, but your coach goes, no, I'm not staying here, I'm off. So that will happen. I think in in the summer it will be a much more easier deal to conclude. Um, But it means for now Manchester United will definitely go for an interim. I think it's where it stands. And I would not be surprised if that interim is either in place next week early some point, maybe after the Chelsea match, um, potentially in time for the Arsenal game on Thursday. But Valverde, in terms of the way he plays football, he's a bit conservative, but he's a join-the-dots man. You know, he will... I think him and Carrick will actually kind of work quite well together, the way that Carrick is as a person. Um, In the short term, United need to find a way to win. And it's about having someone that's got that experience of winning at a top-line club. You know, you can't get really much bigger than Barcelona. But just to add to that, I mean, there are comments, Rob, here saying, you know, there are Valverde is pragmatic. It is only an interim manager. Uh, you know, people forget that Valverde won two La Liga titles, Copa del Rey. He's won he won titles as well with Olympiacos. Uh, he did well with Bilbao. I'm not sure if he won any trophies there. But um, one of the key things, Rob, is that when you look at Barcelona now, I'm sure they would have love to have kept someone like Valverde. When you look at what happened after him, you saw Kike Setien got sacked very, very quickly. We've seen what's happened to Ronald Koeman. Uh, it's just been a downward spiral for them. So it's almost like at the time, people don't realise how, how good Valverde was over there. And you're looking at the mess that they have right now. Look, other issues with money, but I think his stock is almost is higher because of the fact that he is, you see the situation that is over there. But what I want to talk about, Rob, is I want to talk about, let's start from the back. And then we'll go forward, you know, in terms of what he expects from his players. So you can see here, he had Jordi Alba and he had uh, Sergi Roberto as his fullback. Semedo was there as well. We had Luca Dini as well, who is at Everton. But um, one of the key things for me was that he allowed his uh, fullbacks to go forward. They were attacking fullbacks. And that's this allowed the central players to tuck in. So there was a lot of emphasis on those wide areas. And that's something that I find quite intriguing when I think about the Man United squad at the moment. You know, you see the fact that in the wide areas, he wants to have combination plays. That's very vital. He wants to create overloads in wide areas and, and put the ball into the box, just Suarez in the box. So looking at Manchester United squad, how's that going to work for us? I think when you look at what he did at Barcelona, we're, we're going to supply that to um, to Valverde and, and his tactics. I do agree. He's a pragmatist, but there's nothing wrong with being a pragmatist when you're trying to re- rebuild something. Be pragmatic first. Don't concede goals and don't lose games. 
that's what you start on with football. Then you work out all the other patterns. So as we can see here with this Barcelona team, he's got what you call go forward fullbacks. That's what they are. They, they, they are wingbacks at times. They're not really tasked to kind of do too much defensive work in the shape. They just need to kind of be where they need to be at the right times. And then it allows your centre-backs to maybe just part a little bit. You've got Bush gets there kind of sitting back in, obviously one of the great defensive midfielders of all time. And it means you can pass the ball out from the back. Now, we know that Manchester United have struggled with that this season. So I think that's the first bit that he would come in and fix, is that you would find in those zones. And this is why the Carrick comparison that we used just 10 minutes ago is important is that United will take over zones of the pitch they will overload them and they will keep the ball better and that's something they haven't ever done under Solskjaer they really haven't they've never looked after the ball well they've always been a little bit of a hit or miss hit, hit or miss team haven't they they've either been amazing football or just turgid football it's kind of like nothing in the middle you need a coach who's going to come in now and just put those balances out so you're not going to lose games by making mistakes because that's what happens at United. But you look at the midfield as well. You know, it's, there's certainly no double pivot there. But you could see, again, that he will go to maybe a 4-2-3-1. And then, and then you might see Van der Beek actually get the nod over Bruno in the same way that Carrick did it. Because you need someone who just progresses the ball in a 5 or 10-yard manner, a natural way. You don't need someone who's going to overly work there, a dog, you know, as I often call them, when you, when you have a chasing midfielder. Um, you need to look after the ball and then allow the forward players to do that the right thing. So even in this shape here, you see Suarez there being the kind of furthest forward playing the point. Well, that would obviously be Ronaldo. But I liked yesterday what we saw from Sancho and from Martial positionally. Martial didn't rip up any trees, but he was in the correct position that allowed Cristiano to do more Cristiano things. So this is all about balance. Valverde is a balance coach. And in the short term, if he's coming for an interim period, then I'm certainly not against it. He's, he's got a great record in terms of working with players. And again, I'm not, I'm not really interested in the kind of reputation from Barcelona because I think that's kind of skewed. You know, the success was all there. It's just that Barcelona have certain expectations about their coaches and the certain style that they want to play. There's a lot of uh, stigma around pragmatism, Rob. And you know, there's a comment here saying, you know, Tuchel's won the Champions League being pragmatic. Exactly. Uh, there's a comment Chelsea here saying are prag pragmatic. Yeah, Even Chelsea now they're pragmatic. pragmatic. They're fresh Juventus. They're top of the league. They're a pragmatic team. Yeah, probably you know, the best, like... best side in. Probably the best side in world football right now from back to yeah. front. Another comment here saying pragmatism would be fine with this. Would be fine with this squad surely because there's so much talent, attacking talent. Anyway, that's exactly. a really good comment. That's a really yeah. great comment. Actually, 100%. that's a really great comment. I mean, look. Another one here, Rob, saying, you know, Valverde's only had 20 losses, 160 games. Guys, at this point, I'm not just, I'm not, look, I want Pochettino, I want that to happen. I think that will happen. But at this point, I just want my United to be solid. We've seen United get destroyed, finally, by Liverpool, get destroyed by Manchester City. We've been, a, we've been a mess back to front. Some structure and some balance and some solidity is fantastic. And that's what Valverde did have at Barcelona. Was he spectacular? No. But I do want to, Rob, I do want to touch on Paulinho because... Paulinho was a very key player for Valverde's side. When he moved, everyone was a bit shocked. He wasn't anything really anything special at Spurs. Played a different position, played deeper for Spurs. But what he was allowed to do, he had the cover of Busquets and Rakitic. He was allowed to go forward and win aerial duels. He was allowed to arrive in the box. He gave that physical edge. And uh, that was very, very interesting. Something Valverde brought him in to do. And then Messi played a very sort of free floating role. He was given the ability and license to do what Messi does. So when you're looking at that, how does that work for Manchester United? Because I think one of the big positives, Valverde has managed Messi. That's a bonus because he has experience dealing with someone like Messi. We have Cristiano Ronaldo. 
big world class superstar, greatest players of all time. But how would uh, could Bruno possibly play that uh, Paulinho role? Do you think? I mean, would Bruno play more of the messy role because he had, was given a bit of a license of freedom when he was under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Well, this is it with shapes: is that you don't always have to apply a shape because you did it x amount of years ago to the shape that you would do now. So if you were playing this shape at Manchester United. No, you wouldn't play Bruno in the Paulinho role. And Paulinho is is a, traditionally, going back in time, a box-to-box midfielder that then got labelled as a defensive midfielder at Spurs. That's kind of how it went. Then he went to China, then he came obviously back to Europe and he played in this system and he played in that support function there uh, behind Messi and Suarez, but still did a lot of the midfield graft. Now, that's the graft that Bruno can't do. Bruno can't do that. He can play as a 10, he can play as an 8, but he's not very good at, you know, just because he is mobile doesn't mean he's disciplined. And Paulinho was dis- disciplined and you need some discipline in there. What you'd end up finding that if you played this exact shape with Man United, Paulinho is going to be Scott McTominay. People don't like that, but that's exactly what it would be. It would be someone who's got the engine who can get forward. Because it's just, then just about numbers, you see, getting forward and then allowing Messi and Suarez to have a foil. Do you know what I mean? Making that run. Or, of course, you could play Donny van der Beek in there, someone who's, who's got number 10 aspirations and has got that third man run in his pocket. It's what he likes to do. So I will not be surprised if United did play something that was more akin of 4-3-3 in shape uh, when they've actually got the ball. Because that's what they did against Villarreal. It was a 4-3-3. And that allowed, when the ball was at feet, for them to be more fluid. And it allowed Jadon Sancho to be influential, which is something that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer couldn't work out. Or they could not find a way of making Jaden relevant in his team. But we saw yesterday in a 90-minute period that Jaden Sancho is totally, totally relevant. Oh, absolutely. I said we need to build a team around players like him. And I still firmly believe that, Rob, because he is the future. And I'm so, so excited to see what Jaden Sancho can do for my night. Rob, final point before we, we close, though. I do want to bring up this com- comment from Jordan saying, kind of worried about the whole interim thing. Whoever comes in will get taken in full time if they do well. I don't agree. I don't think this is going to be the case. Look, I don't think the club. I don't think so, Rob. I don't think so. I just, I think that the club won't want to miss out on, let's say, Pochettino for, let's say, a third time. I don't think so. I think, look, it's a situation where it's not the ideal situation being in an interim. If it's someone, though, of Valverde's ilk or even Favre, I like Lucian Favre. I like the the look as well of Ralph Ranić. It won't happen, though. But if United are looking at that and then they can secure someone like Pochettino for the summer, I'm okay with that. May not need to focus. The season isn't over. We've got the Champions League. We've got the FA Cup. As the comment says here, stick to the plan. Yes, absolutely. May United don't ever stick to the plan. Um, otherwise, Pochettino would have got the job after Oli was caretaker. But uh, are you worried about that in particular? Or you just want to see May United close the season, have a plan in place towards, let's say, Pochettino, and then we move forward? You have to have a plan to stick to a plan. That's the first point. The second point is this, is that if Valverde wins the Champions League, do you sack him? So this is a problem. So if Valverde comes in, is hugely successful, fixes everything, and we go, wow, do you then maybe take a Pochettino that's just been sacked by PSG? So these are all difficult things. People think they know the future and they can read it from here, but you can't, especially in football. It's impossible. So football does its own thing and it breathes its own air. So Pochettino for me, yeah, he's the choice. He's the guy that I would pick. He's the guy that we know Ed Woodward wants. But Ed Woodward has showed that if a manager and interim comes in and shows some good grounding and fixes a few things and is popular and then does well, that he's not 
kind of against giving that job to that person just to toe the line a little bit. And that's what he did with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I get why he gave the job to Ole in those circumstances. And this is a different set of circumstances. But I also think that when they look at the money, there's going to be some financial outlay to, to get Pochettino in the summer. And Pochettino wants to come. United want Pochettino. So all of these things look like they all marry up and they kind of work. But don't like count your chickens. This is Manchester United. Like, do you people know how he works? How Ed Woodward does his stuff? So we know that Ed Woodward could potentially do anything. The plan at the moment is to get Pochettino. But there is always that little ilk that if Valverde comes in or anyone comes in, that they might go for him. Like if Ranić came in and Ranić did well, I might be doing this show in three or four months going, give the job to Ranić. I might be because I like Ranić and I think what he does is really, really good. And I'd love to see a Man United team press in that kind of Gagan press style of, of, of what he advocates. But let's see. Let's see what happens with, with uh, Pochettino in the next week or two. There is still a chance that United could prize him out of PSG's grasp. Though I think that that is now declining as the days go on. United will want someone with experience taking the team for the next few months. And it won't be Michael Carrick. Guys, make sure you check out the Pochettino Tactical Review as well. We did that a couple of days ago. We break down Poch the rumours regarding Pochettino, where the club's currently at in terms of their... Obviously, it's moved on since then. The club are very interested and he wants to come to Manchester United. So do check that out. We uh, broke down what his first size was like in possession and out of possession and how that links to this Man United squad. Make sure you give us a follow on at TF Mascos. Give myself a follow on at Hayda underscore Robani. Give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Have a lovely evening and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.